before the youth are dismissed to their class. I want them to come and meet me right here, okay? Meet me right here. Man, we got a crowd today. So today, I've brought this book, this wonderful book, and you might, this is a beautiful book. Do you know what this is? The Bible. Everybody together, if you know what it is, shout it out. What is this? The Bible. Thank you. Crowd, how about you all? What is this? The crowd over there, are they listening? All right, this is the Bible, and if you see on the screen that our back screen isn't working, so we all got to look forward, okay? So what do you do with this beautiful book, okay? There's several ways people use this book. Did you know that? Okay, we're going to learn a few of those ways, and then at the end I'm going to share a way that we need to all be maybe doing if we're not doing it. Are you listening out there, crowd? Okay, you guys can listen in on this moment, okay? So... This is some ways people use the Bible. So let's walk our way this way because I have a table set up over here with a bunch of other Bibles, okay? So one way people use it, there's a big family Bible that people have in their homes, okay? So they may have this set up on a coffee table or um, a special room they may go and gather together as a family. So anybody have one of these in their homes? This huge Bible. Okay, I remember my grandparents had one of these in their homes. Okay, yeah. So that's one way people use the Bible. Okay, another way is a paperweight. Okay, some people, you see my loose leaf papers over here. Sometimes people just kind of, oh, the papers will fly away because I have too many fans on. They use it as a paperweight. It could be a good way, but not the best maybe. Another way, witnesses in trials are sworn in with the Bible. Have you ever seen this? Who wants to be my volunteer? Okay. Who wants to be? Okay, come here. Come. What's your name? Yeah, what's your name? Oh, this is Andrew. He's going to be sworn in here, okay? Have you ever seen this before? Somebody, they come up in the court and somebody will have a Bible in their hands and they say, put your hand on it. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And you would answer what? Yes. Yes, that's what they do in court. So whatever you say in court has to be the truth, right? Now, you just made a plea. You have to tell the truth from now on today, okay? Okay? (laughs) You were the volunteer. You made this decision. No, but that's what they do in the courtroom, right? Now... If you notice, does everybody tell the truth in the courtroom? Sometimes not. And they've sworn in on the Bible. Okay, another way. Bibles have, Bibles have saved some soldiers. You see these Bibles. Some soldiers, when they went to war, they would put it in their pocket. And when they were shot at, a bullet would land in their Bible. And they would say, this Bible saved me. So that some soldiers were, have been saved from a little Bible in their pocket. Have you heard stories like that before? Okay. Another way, I think I have one more. Bibles are given as gifts. Has you ever gotten a Bible as a gift? Okay, yeah, people have given you a Bible as a gift. You can give other people Bibles as gift. That's another way people use their Bibles, okay? But what do you think I missed as another way to use the Bible? Anybody? What do you got? What did I miss? What kind of way for this? What did I miss? Do you know? Lights, okay. 
What else? What did I miss? Good, good answer. Oh, we can read it. Listen to what Paul told us, told his friend Timothy about the Bible. He, he says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's another way we can use it. Are these ways necessarily bad? But what if we use them all in this way, but we never read it? Is it going to do us any good? No. No. So I challenge you all, go home and read your Bibles, okay? You, you see my collection here. Even the youngest ones, like Beatrice picked up, you can read a children's Bible, okay? They have good stories in there about... And then, you know, another children's Bible. You don't have to go to the one that doesn't make sense when you're this young, okay? Say, Mom and Dad, which, which Bible should I read right now? Okay, the, um, my daughter pointed out there's even a comic book Bible, okay? The action Bible, okay? So... Can you take that challenge this week? Try to read your Bible t- this week, okay? All right, now you can be dismissed. Let's give them a hand for, okay? Thank you all for coming up, joining me, okay? And this was introducing our new sermon series. We just finished Jonah, right? And last week we learned from Jonah, we read you know, chapter 4 and our takeaways last week. I'm, you know, stalling so the children can get out, right? No, but I'm not stalling. But Jonah, last week our takeaways were, remember, grow in different relationships. One of them was get to know God better. Do you remember that? Do you remember get to know people better? And then what was the third one, if you remember? Get to know the... Bible better. Grow in the message that you are proclaiming to the world. So, do we have to read this to get to know the Bible better? Or can it just sit on a desk like this up here and we can learn from it? Okay? What if I just sat here and I said, let's just stare at the table. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different Bibles on there. One of them's a Hebrew Bible, you know, the. And then the Greek New Testament, those are the languages that they were... Let's just look at this, and that's going to be our message today for a half an hour. Are we going to learn anything if we don't actually read it and open it up? No. That's the same way with our uh, daily lives. If I have my Bible sitting on my shelf, and I pass it every day, and I'm like, Lord, just teach me something from Your Word, and then make my breakfast get in my car, go to work. And what did I do? I left the Bible on the shelf. But I asked God to help me understand your word, but I never picked it up and read it. That's what I want to focus on. I told somebody earlier, I don't know how long. (laughs) Okay, Psalm 119 is a large chapter, isn't it? There's 176 verses in it. And the cool thing is, there's 22 sections, and it is the Hebrew alphabet. Each section starts with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. It just goes right through them. If you read the Hebrew, if I opened this up and I showed you the section by section, the first letter of each section would be the same 
in every section. Like if we had A, B, C, D, the first one would be A, second B, but that's the Hebrew alphabet. That's the, how it was written down. It's so cool to me how it was like that. And one uh, tradition, the Eastern Orthodox Church tradition said this, and I thought it was pretty interesting. They said that King David may have used this psalm to teach Solomon his son both the Hebrew alphabet and the alphabet of the spiritual life. I I thought that was pretty cool. He's teaching his son, yes, the Hebrew alphabet, but he's also teaching his son how to live right spiritually. Is that not what we do if we have kids and our grandkids and friends and family? We want to take them to God's Word and teach them, right? How to live spiritually. So that's what I'm hoping to cover in a some week sermon series of Psalm 119. So it's at least going to be one week, everybody. That's this week. So let's read it together. This is Psalm 119, if you haven't turned there yet, verses 1 to 8. So this would be the Aleph section of the Hebrew alphabet. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow His ways. You have laid down precepts. They are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying Your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all Your commands. I will praise You with an upright heart as I learn Your righteous laws. I will obey Your decrees Do not utterly forsake me. Pray with me as we dive into this beginning of this psalm today. God, thank you so much for the psalmist here writing these words down for us. I pray as we gather around God's word that we would continue to learn and grow in our understanding of what the Bible is all about, what you are all about and who Jesus is. Thank you for this morning already that we sang songs of praise to you, the great God above all gods. We gathered around the Lord's table. Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to die for the sins of the world. And we celebrate and remember that each week. The Word becoming flesh. And now we come to God's Word, the written Word, to learn from it to grow from it, to be transformed and renewed. I thank you for each gathered here today. I pray for those who, for a reason or two that we may not even know, that you would be with them, you would comfort them, give them strength, healing, encouragement. And thank you just so much for the privilege and honor to gather together on the Lord's day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I ask the question to the youth up here and to you all, what do we do with this beautiful book? Do you think it's a beautiful book? Because I think it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yes, there are times it's hard to read because it's like, I don't understand what's happening in that text. 
But it's beautiful. When you read from Genesis to Revelation, it's beautiful. And we study it and we gather together each Sunday to study it, to learn from it. Now, I'm going to give you a little history lesson. How many of you know the Church of Christ, Christian Church, how it came about? How, anybody know? Okay, what movement do we call it? We call it the Restoration Movement. Some people know what that is. Some people are like, I've never heard of that. And you've probably been in church for a while and maybe never heard of it. But this is some history. And what do we do with this beautiful book? In 1794, I'm getting this information from a great book. I haven't read it all yet. But it's by James North, Union and Truth, An Interpretive History of the Restoration Movement. In 1794, now known as the O'Kelly Movement, had a meeting and one of their cardinal principles of the Christian church was this. The Holy Bible, or the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament, are only creed and a sufficient rule of faith and practice. So they said, we're going to just use the Bible. This is our sufficient rule of faith and practice. We're going to use this book, the Bible. In 1798, some of you may know Barton Stone, the name, was ordained in the Presbyterian ministry. But he was asked this when he was uh, ordained as a Presbyterian minister. He was asked this, Do you receive and adopt the confession of faith as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Bible? Good question. But this is how he responded, and I was like, that is good. Here's what he said. I do, as far as I see it consistent with the Word of God. So, the confession that he was saying, yes, I agree with it, if it is consistent with the Bible. God's Word. In the 1808, Thomas Campbell said this, or it was written about him like as this, he was not wanted in the Chartier's Presbytery because he wanted to practice Christian unity under the authority of Scripture alone. He wanted to, this book, the Holy Word, God's Word, to be the unifying factor. He didn't want anything else. In 1812, Alexander Campbell said this in commitment to work with Redstone Baptist Association. He said this, Provided only and always that we should be allowed to preach and teach whatever we learned from the Holy Scriptures. So Alexander Campbell was like, If I learn it from this book, I'm going to teach it. Even if you don't agree with it. I thought that was interesting. You get the picture? What's the focus? The book, God's Word. In 1831, Raccoon John Smith delivered his most significant sermon of his life in a meeting at Hill Street Christian Church. He said this, Let us all come to the Bible, to the Bible alone, as the only book in the world that can give us all the light, capital L, we need. He said, We're going to come to this book. Not any other book, but the Bible. Now this was a little history for you of the restoration movement and some of the names some of you may have heard of, some of you may be hearing for the first time. But this is where our church stems from. This is how we got our churches. We wanted to be Bible believers. God's Word instructing us and leading us to live a life that's worthy of the Gospel message that's found in the Bible.
in 2010, that's a century ago, right? No, 2010, some of you are on Facebook, but I don't go on very often, but in 2010, I wrote this on Facebook, and I went back to, I found it, I was like, okay, this is a sermon series that I'm doing, but this is what I wrote, and you ever go read what you wrote, and it's like, that's my younger self? It's kind of weird when you're like, I wrote that down and I didn't have any idea that I wrote it down. I don't remember writing this down. But this is what I wrote, and it's probably somewhere still on Facebook. But I titled it, The Word of God. And I wrote this. I'm not going to read it all, but I wrote this. God's Word is a powerful book. Every time I open it up and read it, I get to have a conversation with my Heavenly Father. God wants us to talk to Him. It may not involve you saying a verbal word, but He is there and wants to talk to you. I go on later. We are called to be holy, but what does that look like? I believe we are holy when we are in constant study of the Word, prayer, rejoicing, and living out the truths that the Word of God tells us. The Bible is our guidebook for living. I I continue, I also have this desire in my heart and I believe it with all my heart. I must, all capitals, I must be a man that rightly divides the Word of God. I want to accurately study it and learn what it says. I do not want books, articles, people, friends, family, churches, colleges, pastors, teachers, theologians, etc., 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 to tell me what I should believe. God's Word is enough And if I allow God to speak to me and give me understanding about His Word, I will know what I believe and why I believe it. I go on. I was, it says, well, I wrote, too many Christians sometimes just go with the flow or believe what others believe and have no clue why they believe it. I was in this boat for a while, and I'm finally realizing that I can know why I believe what I believe. If something doesn't match up with the Bible, be careful. Whatever you hear, match it with God's Word before you believe it. 2010 I wrote that. And just so you know, I had no idea that I would be a preacher. And when I read that, I understand why it's important to read this, to study it, to talk with others about it to grow in it. Because if it's on my shelf and I don't pick it up, am I going to ever understand what it says? No. Why or what do we do with this beautiful book? And Psalm chapter 119 is going to give us some ideas, some clues of why this book is so beautiful. Because the psalmist has 176 verses about talking about God's Word, God's laws, God's decrees, precepts, and about, it seems like, 100 different synonyms for the same thing. But he's excited about it. He wants to be excited about it. And I'm excited about it. Every time I start studying for the week, I'm like, this book is beautiful, it's precious, and I don't ever want to take it lightly. When we gather on Thursday mornings, do we take it lightly, J.D.? No. We take it serious and we learn from it. 
But look at what verses 1 through 3 give us the description. It's on here, not the back, so I've got to make sure I'm doing the slides right. This is the description of those who are blessed, and you see those. Look what we have. The, those whose ways are blameless. Okay? And just, if you look at verses 1 and 2, what, two, what uh, word is mentioned twice there? It's the first word of both, both verses. What do we have? Blessed, right? So it's the description of those who are blessed. And blessed means happiness. Okay? It means of or enjoying happiness. So it could read, happy are those. Okay? But happiness, you know I love definitions. But happiness means this. A state of well-being and contentment, joy. Or a pleasurable and or satisfying experience. So the psalmist here begins with this, this prayer, this long prayer song about God's word, precepts, laws, decrees. And he says, blessed are those. Blessed are those. How do you want to enjoy happiness? This is how you're going to do it. So blessed are those, and then you get to verse 3, it says, they do no wrong. I think the they there are talking about the same people. It's those who are blessed. So the first description, what do we have? Those whose ways are blameless. This means having integrity, okay? You have integrity of God's way. So the psalmist here is saying, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who keeps, this is basically what he's saying, I believe, those who keep God's ways. Or have God's ways in his mind daily, all the time. You have integrity with that. You're blameless. Do you ever get blamed for something and you didn't do it? Okay, I think this is like, nobody has a, they can't blame you for doing something wrong because you're always doing right. You're always following God's ways. They look at you and say, there's something different about that person. Why is he so joyful at work when all they're doing is, Whatever, like a simple project that you should be bored at. But they're excited about it. Why do they have joy? That's kind of the blameless life that these people are living. And then you get the second one. Those who, what? Walk according to the law of the Lord. And this one is, it caught me and it hit me really, really good. Because you're like, oh, law, okay. Bunch of rules, right? Right? We think, if you say law to somebody, what are they going to probably be thinking? Oh, what kind, of, what kind of rules you got for me now? Okay? But this word law is Torah. Okay, everybody say that. You've heard of that word. I, have you heard that word before? Torah. Walter Zorn in his commentary writes this. Law is Torah. But listen to this. A manner of life not a legal system that assures salvation. Only in this sense could Torah be the object of such joy, devotion, and acclaim as shown for it in Psalm 119. Torah, then, is a general term indicating instruction, whose basic idea is pointing the way. And then I got to thinking of it this morning because I I was reading through my notes again, And I was thinking, pointing the way. Okay? He says, the writer says, 
Blessed are those who walk according to the Torah of the Lord, the teaching, the instruction of the Lord, the pointing the way of the Lord, how to live. And then I was reminded again today, and I remember a conversation I had yesterday with my brother-in-law who's sitting right here. And we were talking about, he said something about Jesus, what, came to what? Not destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And then I was thinking, Torah is pointing the way, the law pointing the way to who? Isn't that cool? The Torah that we study here, okay, some people want to throw the Old Testament out, which some days I'm like, I want to too, but... The Old Testament, the Torah, is important because it's pointing the way to Jesus. And Jesus said, I didn't come to throw it away. I came to fulfill all these laws. Look at me, I'm here, the fulfiller of what you've been reading the whole time. <laughs> so I thought about that. I was like, man, that is powerful. Isn't it? What do you do with this beautiful book? You read it. From Genesis to Revelation. And you understand what the story is all about. So walk according to the law of the Lord. Those who keep the Lord's statutes. Again, it's just you're keeping God's commands. And you notice that there's going to be a hundred probably synonyms of the same thing. But those who keep the Lord's statutes. Do you ever keep something that's valuable? Yes. So let's hold on to those statutes and say, okay, this is God's statute. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to follow it. And then you have those who seek the Lord with all their heart. And if you were in Sunday school this morning, we talked about this a little bit. Those who seek the Lord with all their heart. This is the seeking here is to seek the true God in prayer and worship. You're not just seeking something that's not worthwhile. It's seeking the true God in prayer and worship. And what does it say? With all their heart. The word heart here is the comprehending mind, your affections and your will. Some people will say the soul. Do you ever go to this? and you read it, and you really haven't comprehended it, and then you go throughout your day and you're like, what did I read? But if you actually comprehend what you read, that's what the heart is. You want to comprehend it. You want to understand it, to live it out. Look at, I have it on the screen, so some people have told me, it's hard to follow you, so can you put them on the screen once in a while? Okay. So Jeremiah 29, 13, this is what it says. The Lord speaking to Jeremiah says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, your mind, your affections, your will, with everything you got. You're going to find me. Colossians 3.1. If you were in our Colossians Bible study a while back, you know this one, hopefully. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts your affections, your will, your comprehending mind, on what? Things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
So we're not setting our hearts and minds on like these things right here. We're setting our hearts and minds and will and affection on things above where Christ is. That's the heart He's talking about, I think, I believe. You have to seek Him with everything you have. Okay? And then you get verse 3 there. It just says, Those, they do no wrong, but follow His ways. Those who, look at this description, those who are, go back here, living these out, you're blameless, you're walking according to the law, you're keeping the statutes, you're seeking God with all your heart. I believe that's going to happen. They do no wrong. Yes, we're still sinners, but I think if we have it solely doing this things and meditating and always following God's ways, I think they do no wrong, but they're following His ways. That's what's going to happen. They're blessed. They enjoy happiness. So that's a description of those who are blessed. Then you get to the action. Okay, verse 4, look at that. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. What's the action that we have to do? The Lord's precepts are not to be partially obeyed. They are to be what? Fully obeyed. You can't say, well, I can do that one, but I'm not going to do that other one. That other command. It's too hard. It's too difficult. They're not, you're not going to do it partially. You've got to do it fully. And then precept means a general rule. Okay? A general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. You have a command or a principle or a, a precept in this case. It says, this is a rule to regulate, okay? Your behavior. What if nobody, nobody, they had a rule and said, if we don't follow, if nobody follows that rule, what would happen? It would probably be chaos, okay? If there was a rule intended for the right behavior, okay, or thought, and nobody followed it, are you th- do you think there's going to be unity or what? There's going to be chaos. I think Sunday school we talked about like if there was no speed limit law, you would like run into each other. Somebody's going 150 and somebody's going 10, okay, on the same road. That's not going to work. That's why we have speed limit laws, right? If you're not going at least this, get off the road. Okay, so you have to look at that. That's the action. They have to be fully obeyed, okay? And then verse 5, the reminder. This is one of my favorite verses in the first eight. It's a reminder for those who are blessed. This psalmist exclaims that the ways the life lives should be steadfast. And he says, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. This is an expression we can use, I believe, as a prayer to remind ourselves of the importance of obeying the Word of the Lord. Sometimes we just want to exclaim that out. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. It would help us, I think. Sometimes I don't do that. I need to do more of it. Just exclaiming, God, I want my ways to be like you. I want to follow your ways. Just continue to have that in your mind. And this word, oh, there, you probably use that, that word maybe more than we think. Okay, I do. I'm like, oh, okay, like you, you have this. 
But O here, it means wish. Do you ever wish upon a star? Do you ever wish something would happen? Do you ever light the candles for somebody's birthday and you, what do you say? Make a wish. Oh, that my ways were steadfast. My wish, Lord, is that my ways were steadfast in obeying Your decrees. And the wish here is, again, definitions. Help me, okay? The definition of wish is this. Object of desire, goal. Do you ever have goals? Do you ever set goals? That's a wish. You have that goal in mind. You're like, I'm wishing to get that done today. That's the same thing here. My goal and my desire is to follow God's ways, follow God's commands. I'm wishing that, God, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. So the next time you make a wish, think about that. What's the object or desire of your wishing? Okay? And I thought of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service or proper worship, as some translations say. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? All these things, and don't be conformed to this world. So, that's a desire we could have, right? God, help me to be a living sacrifice. Help me to have my mind transformed and renewed and not conform to whatever the world's telling us to conform to, right? The world's telling us, hey, this is the right way to live. You have to accept all these things. You can't live this way. You can't be against what we're telling you. Okay? But if we're always having this desire and our wish in mind, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Exclamation point, right? Okay? So that's the reminder of those who are blessed. Okay? And then you have the outcome. We're going to finish with the outcome here. Then we have some takeaways today. So the psalmist gives the outcome here. Look what it says. Then, okay, you have verses 1 through 3, the description. Then you have the action. Then you have the reminder. And then the word then comes. Then, the psalmist says, I would not be put to shame when consider, when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Don't utterly forsake me. And if you're an English major, like my wife, these sentences may not make sense. They didn't make sense to me, but I'm like, I wrote them down and they make sense. They do make sense to me, but here we go. Number one, considering all the Lord's commands, there is no putting to shame. You can't be put to shame if you're always considering what God's word says, what his commands are. Okay? Consider God's commands. Number two, learning the Lord's righteous laws, there is praise to the Lord with an upright heart. Do you ever learn a law and learn a command of God and you start to live by it and you're like, oh, I can only give praise to God because this is the right way to live. 
I'm being blessed because I'm following God's laws. And then number three, obeying the Lord's decrees, there is security in the Lord. This is one of my favorites too. Because it says, I will obey your decrees. Don't utterly forsake me. The psalmist is crying out to God and say, I'm going to obey all your decrees. I'm going to consider all your laws. I'm going to meditate them. I'm going to live by them. And what does he end this section with? God, don't forsake me. Don't abandon me. And I thought of Joshua chapter 1. The Lord comes to Joshua after Moses dies. And what does the Lord tell Joshua? He says, don't be afraid. Be courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then what does he say at the very end though of that section? I will be with you always. Not just a day. Not just when you're feeling good. Not just when you're, you, know, you wake up happy. But if you're considering my ways, you're learning my laws, and you're obeying my decrees, the psalmist says, hey God, if I'm doing those things, please don't abandon me. And I think Joshua wasn't abandoned, even though it was probably a tough time to do in that time period. I've never felt abandoned by God. Even in the darkest times, I've never felt abandoned by God. How about you? Have you felt abandoned by God? And the psalmist here is reminding us, I think, and I believe, God's going to be with us to the very end. So here's your takeaways today. There's five of them. And you, get, you got it when we were talking about the passage. Number one, treasure God's Word, the Holy Bible. If I find a treasure, I'm not going to just put it on the shelf. I feel like that in my house. There's a lot of rocks in my house. My, my little daughter, you know what? likes to grab rocks and just put them anywhere in the house. I'm like, another rock, okay. To her, they're treasures, though. Do we treasure God's Word? Or do we just leave it on the shelf? If somebody says, hey, do you want to come over and study God's Word? What do you say? Oh, I'm busy. Or do you say, oh, let's get together, let's study. Let's do it. Do you treasure God's Word? And then number two takeaway, read God's Word. I challenge the young people, and us as well, to read God's Word. If we don't read it, we're not going to know what it says. Read God's Word. Number three, I hope they're coming up because I'm not looking at it. Study God's Word. Don't just read it, but study it. This is not to put blame on anybody, but I love gathering around God's Word and studying it. Whoever shows up, I like to study. Sometimes it's hard. I mean, JD comes up with some good questions, okay? Some good comments, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but we study it. We, we gather around God's Word and we study it. And if it doesn't make sense to us, what do we keep doing? We keep studying it. We keep growing in our relationship with the message, God's Word. Okay, obey God's Word. Okay? We're reading it, we're studying it, we're treasuring it, and then we come to a command or a lifestyle that we need to live for Jesus. We need to obey it. We need to obey God's Word. And then number five, I hope it came up. 
proclaim God's Word. And that's where we left off in Jonah's series. Our last takeaway for Jonah was like, grow in the message you are about to proclaim to the world. If you don't know the message you're proclaiming, what are you going to do out there? You're probably not going to proclaim the right message. (laughs) But if we know the message that's found in this beautiful book, from Genesis to Revelation, and we read it, we study it, we treasure it, we obey it, when we go out there and we meet somebody that we need to share the message with, we're going to know it. And we're going to be confident. We may not deliver it in the way we want to sometimes, but let me tell you, if you proclaim God's Word, something's going to happen. Maybe down the road. It might not happen immediately, but something's going to happen. Because God's Word is powerful. It pierces the soul and the heart. And I'll tell you this. It changes lives. Okay? It changed mine. It probably changed yours. Maybe even changing yours right now. I don't know. But it's changing people's lives. And David Guzik said this about Psalm 119, verse 1 and 2. He said this, Jesus is the ultimate blessed one. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Christians in Rome. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. But listen to this. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. If we're not hearing the message about Christ, transformation will never happen. Jesus is the ultimate blessed one. And faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is about Christ. No other person. It's not the message about anybody else but Jesus. C.C. Crawford wrote this about Paul, about what Paul said about faith. As faith comes from hearing the word about Christ, it follows that this type of righteousness is conformity to His Word as embodied in the New Testament Scriptures. So we learn about Jesus from the New Testament, how He lived, how He uh, taught people, and we learn from Jesus. And Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. I just wanted them to say, remember the Mark series? I just wanted them to say, repent and believe the good news, pointing to Himself. Okay? So if you need to call out to Jesus to save you from sin, repent. Believe that Jesus and confess Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then follow the Spirit's leading in your life. I don't say it enough, but I remind myself, remember your baptism. Because every time I remember my baptism, it gives me kind of that, keep going, (laughs) that little boost of energy. Because if I forget where I started in my relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to fall. But if I continue to say, man, where I started was a long time ago, and I didn't know anything. But look at me now. Look at this person now. Look at that person now that I know that they're growing in the faith. And let me tell you, just to be honest with you, I've only been here how long? It's going to be two years in August, right? And 
This is honesty from the pulpit. I see growth in most and all of you. I see growth in each one of you. From meeting you for the first time, and now some of you I'm like, whoa, you were way different when I first met you to now, in a good way. And that's coming from your minister, your preacher. I can see it, okay? I see each and every one of you week to week. And I'm like, man, that person is growing in the Lord. That person is doing way more than I even expected him or her to do (laughs) for the Lord. And I just want you to know that. People notice how you live. And just imagine what people in the community think of us. And that's what we're talking about in Psalm 119, the blessed ones. I'll end with this as we come and sing our invitation hymn. But this is so cool too. In the, the parable of the sower seeds and, and the sower seeds and soil, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I shared this at the last camp I spoke at a few weeks ago. And if you put them all together, I said, do we read books? How do we read books? In order, right? So you read Matthew first. It has the parable of the sower, the seeds, and the, the sower seed soil. Mark has the same parable. Luke has the same parable. But you know they are different in this way. If I put them all together, this is how it would read. Good soil, people hear the word. Remember, all four soils heard the word, okay? Everybody hears the word. But the good soil, they hear the word. And this is putting Matthew, Mark, and Luke all together. They hear the word. They understand the word. They accept the word. They retain the word. They don't accept it and say, I don't want it anymore. They retain it. And by persevering, produce a crop. But if you read Matthew by itself, it doesn't have all of them. If you read Mark by itself, it doesn't have all of them. If you read Luke, it doesn't have all of them. But you put them together, and these three writers, that's what it would look like. You hear the word, you understand it, you accept it, you retain it, and you persevere and produce a crop. I think that's amazing because some people hear the Word and don't want anything to do with it. Some people hear and understand it and still don't want anything to do with it. Some people hear it, understand it, and accept it and still want to throw it away. And then some people retain it and then when the hard time comes, they're like, oh. But then you get to the last one. Persevering, they produce a crop. They have it all. They heard it, understand it, accept it, retain it, and they keep doing it and keep going and keep going and keep going. And what we talked about in Sunday school, if you were there again, the way of Jesus leads to life. The way of going against God leads to death. There's two choices how to live. You can either choose the path to death or destruction or choose the path to life. And you have that decision. I can't make it for you. So if you need to make a decision to be baptized into Christ, if, you're, if you are baptized and you want to join this church family, you can do that today. Or you can just say a prayer to God saying, I need help. Help me this week.
There's room for that. So make a decision if you, if you need to today. Let's pray as we come and sing our last song. God, thank you so much for this beautiful book. Your Word, the Holy Bible. I thank you for this. The message today from the psalmist just saying, I love God's Word and here's why I love it. I pray that we would continue to treasure it, to read it, to study it, to obey it, and to proclaim it. And thank you, most importantly for Jesus, the Word becoming flesh and going to the cross to die for the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.